1: Plus.
3: Welcome to the Underground, the Steel City Underground, a Pittsburgh Steelers podcast made by fans like you, for fans like you. Now, here's your host, Joe Kuzma. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Steel City Underground podcast. I am your host, Joe Kuzma, and today I am joined by my special guest, from the Steel City Report, Nathaniel Bodner. Nate, how are you today?
2: I am doing good. How are you today?
3: You know what? I can't complain. Uh, we were trying to get together for this show, and I was really thinking to myself, I might not be as prepared as you are. You said you're the stats man. Yeah, got today. Yeah, I feel like I hit the wall here, so I'm almost flying, as most people would know, without no notes. No real show notes, but I do have a little bit of basis for our topic today having written an article back in March about the Steelers and Bengals and talking about whether or not it's the NFL's biggest rivalry, but what we're really going to talk about today is whether or not the Cincinnati Bengals are a rival of the Steelers, and while we're at it, you know what, we may as well talk about the rest of the teams in the AFC North and what better way to kick it off than the Cleveland Browns. I mean... Cleveland Browns, a storied franchise. They get to keep their history when they were non-existent there for a few years. Of course, Art Modell taking what was the Cleveland Browns to Baltimore, packing up the trucks as the Colts had done from Baltimore previously to Indianapolis. So Baltimore gets a team again over there in Maryland. And Maryland's one of those areas, too, that's, kind of Steelers country as well. So there's a lot of heated, what do you want to say, exchange there, but for... Absolutely. Um... I believe
2: Jeff Hartman over on Behind the Steel Currents from around Maryland, right? Am I, he, am I wrong?
3: Yes. Uh, Jeff was actually on this show probably no more than a month ago when we were talking about how Steelers Nation had no boundaries. Mm-hmm. And he originally grew up in West Virginia, so Steelers Nation goes down to there. And then, of course, me and you, being from Northeast Ohio, we have to deal with the Browns <laughs> fans who are seemingly more happy to root for whatever team – other than their own that they think could beat the Steelers from week to week. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And I, I just don't get that because I have family members and my house is divided. It's Cleveland Browns fans and Pittsburgh Steelers fans. And the Pittsburgh Steelers fans are more respectful than the Cleveland Browns fans. And I'm not saying that my family members are disrespectful. I'm just saying a bunch of my friends are Cleveland Browns fans and they're like, Oh, you know what? I can't wait until this team, you know, beats the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, I hate them. I hate them. Well, you, you might have a little reason on why to hate them, but you know that's just the the uh, record stating uh, that you know you know, Pittsburgh wins, um, against, uh, the, uh, Browns a lot. And, you know, that just shows in the record and that would be a three and 17 record since 2006, the last 10 years, the Cleveland Browns have had a three and 17 record against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That record is just unbelievable right there. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, of course, lead the series 70 to 58, and, um, you know, that that's a little bit closer than another team that we're going to be talking on about later in the show, and I'm not going to name that team yet, but uh, the Cleveland Browns were actually pretty good back in the day. You know, they had Art Modell leading the whole pack there, um, and, you know, it they turned around and they just have not been good the last 10 years.
3: No, and of course, myself and for all the regular listeners who know my wife is a Browns fan and... We have not only a house divided, but family divided. So my young daughter, who will be turning three next month, uh, it goes in between myself buying all of the Steelers paraphernalia versus some of this garbage I wouldn't you know, wipe my behind with that shows up in her closet sometimes, which would be some Cleveland Browns t-shirts or this god-awful ugly hat that my uncle thought would be real funny to give her. Girls don't wear hats anyway, so good luck trying to make her a Browns fat fan with a hat of all things but uh, that being said yeah I used to get grilled Uh, I've got a a few more years on you here Nate where I actually remember when there were good Cleveland Browns teams so there at Mm -hmm. least was a little bit of tradition there but most recently as you gave the statistic that was three wins since what 1999 when they came back and in those three wins I want to say Ben Roethlisberger, he's only lost like one or two games against the Mm -hmm. Cleveland Browns as a quarterback. And, of course, the legend, if you will, around here is that the Browns would seemingly kick themselves in the butt for not drafting Ben Roethlisberger. (laughs)
2: Yes, they had an opportunity, but they they didn't take it
3: yeah and among other opportunities I mean they just become a more of a laughing stock because they're on what 22 or 20 probably 23 quarterbacks I think is going to be when RG3 if he suits up this year as the starter I think he will be the 23rd starting quarterback since the reintroduction of this franchise coming back and having the whole Uh, what was that expansion draft and bringing in Tim Couch they made the playoffs the one year with like they actually looked a little promising I'm trying to remember I think that was Derek Anderson I think they may have had Jeff Garcia at that time you know what can I butt in real quick yeah go ahead go Um, ahead
2: you know it was Derek Anderson actually in 2007 they did not make the playoffs when they had a 10 and 6 positive record above 500 10 and 6 with Derek Anderson and that was the last time uh, that they were even remotely close to making the playoffs because the last time I remember, and I know that I was really young at the time, and I know that you might have seen this game, but the Cleveland Browns made it to the AFC wildcard game, okay, and they barely made it. It was due to a goal line stand by a team I cannot remember one week prior that snuck the Browns into the AFC Wild Card against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They led the entire game in the fourth quarter with under five minutes left. They were up, by, I believe, 13. 13- and pittsburgh took over and tommy maddox was the quarterback in the time they got a two-point conversion after they got the touchdown with 54 seconds left and they won 36 33 and that was in 2002 that was the last time they went to the playoffs
3: yeah, that's the one. Yes, Tommy Maddox. Oh, my goodness. I was talking uh, with, I don't know if you caught the show that I had with Ron Lipock who was doing the memoirs of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, man, I don't remember the full name of Ron's book at this time, but if you go back and listen, he had an interview with Tommy Maddox, and I was just praising Tommy Gunn and how I used to love him g- growing up. And then, uh, of course, you know, I really wanted him to, I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe we should give him a contract. And then, of course, you know what happens, Ben Roethlisberger gets the opportunity, and yep. And you never look back from there. And, yes, I do remember a playoff game. There was like, there was like one uh, – the one game of those maybe three was a man by the name of – oh, my goodness, it's going to drive me crazy right now. I'm sure my wife remembers this because this was the old Sunday night football that was on ESPN when it was first starting. Oh, Kelly Holcomb quarterback quarterback yes quarterback yes yes he was the quarterback for the Browns I mean you man I had to dig it up there was like almost two dozen of them it's hard to remember them all even when you're making fun of it constantly so I think the way that the Steelers fans look at it is we I think we're a bit upset and disappointed that this isn't the rivalry that it once used to be and we you almost turn your nose up at it, and you're thinking that's an automatic W on the schedule. We have been embarrassed the other couple times. I was actually at both of those games. In Cleveland, when those happened oh too, yes, I yes. remember the one.
2: It was, I believe, Charlie Batch, it was. under center. It he was. like fumbled like two or three times. The running backs were fumbling. everybody was fumbling in that game. It was 2012. I it believe. Was, I believe the Steelers it turned the ball horrific. over.
3: Yeah, they turned the ball over. I remember. I think seven times. Charlie Batch was the quarterback. Uh, and then of course Charlie comes back the next week to beat the Baltimore Ravens which i remember i was sitting in uh, sitting on my couch covered in blankets with the flu and just couldn't believe what i was seeing because i got sick so sick of a browns like just, I can't even say that they like really beat the Steelers. It may have been no. one of the ugliest football games ever. It was some ungodly score, like seventeen, thirteen, or so. nobody could score. Nobody no, could hold on to the football. Up. <laughs> it was so bad. So it's like, okay, the Browns get one, but you know, like kind of barely. It was like, no, nah, I don't want the football here. You take it. And then, uh, of course, the other one being the game I was making fun of Lance Moore. When I had Eric on the show, we were talking about the five potential free agents the Steelers could sign this mm-hmm. offseason. And one name he kind of threw out if they needed wide receiver help was Lance Moore. And my memory of Lance Moore is not only complaining about his playing time, but celebrating a touchdown, the only touchdown in Cleveland Browns Stadium that day because the Steelers have played so miserably bad against the Browns. Oh so I, had I remember the- that. I remember <laughs>
2: that. That was in 2013, I believe. It was like 31 to like 14 or something. Seven or like I, I think, like you said, maybe one or two scores. Lance Moore caught that late in the fourth quarter. Um, that was a horrific game as well. That was just ugly. Oh, it was garbage. Time. It was just the running game. By I think Isaiah Correll uh, ran the ball. I don't know how many times, and he was just gaining big chunks of yards. And um, I believe it was him or another running back, Terrence there.
3: West as well. Terrence West. Oh die. yes, Terrence West. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, but you know what? I have had the pleasure of being there. I want to say Eric Mangini's last uh, stand as the head coach there, final game of the regular season. Uh, I remember Troy Pomalu like picks off one of these passes early in the game, runs it in for a touchdown. It was like fourteen nothing. I don't even think my one friend who was a Browns fan made it to his seat yet to sit uh, next to us, and, yeah. and they were already getting just crushed. It was like forty something uh, to whatever at the end of the game. And Byron Leftwich actually finished that game out. So that was that was one that was really fun. And then of course the last regular season game of last year was just the Steelers invasion. If you've never been to a road game as a Steelers fan, those of you who are Pittsburgh natives, I strongly suggest maybe taking the two-hour or so trip up to Cleveland, especially when it's late in the season because the Browns fans. Now, I'll, I'll give them this much. Their teams haven't been good forever, but they still stand behind them. Most of the orange seats have a butt in them. And they really don't start heading out of there because, you know, it's like when you're playing on like around New Year's in Cleveland up by Lake Erie, it's something like 17 degrees and miserable. So I can't necessarily blame them when they're losing to leave. But on the other hand, the whole lower bowl of this game, you're watching the scores. Everyone, there wasn't even cell reception because everyone was on their phones glued to the Bills and Jets game. And we get the score and everyone's cheering. And you see we're behind the Steelers bench and you see everyone kind of turn around, even Tomlin. You see all these guys like turn around and look at at us and what are you guys doing there's nothing going on in the field it may have been like a tv timeout or something like that and Mm -hmm. it was just amazing i actually have video of this up on my youtube page by the way if anyone wants to check it out i mean it was just phenomenal so in that aspect i do want to say it it may not be a strong rivalry like it used to be uh it may not be hotly contested with wins and losses but i do want to say that the most of us uh, that are Browns and or Steelers fans are still at each other's throats, and we kind of want that to be back there. But mentioned it earlier, the rivalry. Maybe that has, or is it a rivalry? We're about to find out because I know you got some numbers on this. The one that may have replaced it, the team that was formerly, we thought they were going to be the Baltimore Browns. They turn out to be the Baltimore Ravens. And man, they've been a thorn in each other's side going through this. I want to say, let me see, Uh, they've met in the postseason four times, and the Steelers have a 3-1 advantage. They're the only two teams in the AFC North that have won a Super Bowl. So there are some bragging rights on the line here. What do you got for us on the Steelers versus the Ravens?
2: Well, I have some really good statistics on this one. Now, like we said with the Cleveland Browns, it was 3-17 and 17 since 2006. This is the total opposite with the Baltimore Ravens. It's a little bit better, not quite. Since 2006, the last 10 years, the Baltimore Ravens record against the Pittsburgh Steelers is 13-23, and 23, so it's 10 off. That's okay. But what really shocked me was the all-time series. The Pittsburgh Steelers lead the series 24-20. to 20. So they're only up by four games. That's, that's back and forth for you.
3: Yeah, that really is back and forth with the exception of maybe last year, which, yeah. you know. Nice sweeped us. Yeah, and, and one of the things, that's another one of those, and I'm not sure that we have the numbers, and now I'm going to kick myself for not looking They this only up won five notes. games,
2: Joe. They only won five games, <laughs> and the two games they win is against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I and I, I tell you one thing, if we had a kicker in the week four matchup, and didn't have josh scoby we would have won that game and if we didn't have mike vick we might have put landry jones and he might have done better i know vick did some good plays and he did all right but come on it's a fourth and two and you throw a little out route and it, it you run the next out or the next fourth and two because there was like two fourth and twos and you miss both of them antonio brown dropped the one we talked about this in the last show i was on but yeah unbelievable
3: yeah we were talking about the Todd Haley play calling and to get off the coaches back on the the show last week and that was this game will forever like just it just pains me to think about it the Sunday night uh, no I'm sorry it was Thursday night because it was a short week when Ben got hurt in St. Louis and Vic had like maybe two and a half days of practice if we're being generous there as the number one and Yeah, the most memorable thing of Mike Vick during this game was actually Le'Veon Bell was doing pretty solid. Now, I think I gave a little more credit. I said it somewhere on social media or maybe in the comments on my website. And. I was saying that maybe the Ravens were shutting down Le'Veon Bell, and they actually had a decent run defense for as bad as they were last year, and they've always been good against the run. So have the Steelers, for that matter, Uh, no matter how bad they've been against the pass. The teams are very much parallels of one another, and my memory of Michael Vick is Le'Veon Bell goes to take a run. Uh, It may have even been like a counterplay to the left. And he doubles back and comes back around to the right where Michael Vick had already kind of bootlegged out and was just kind of like chilling over there, maybe seeing like if, uh, you know, if you ever seen little kids play sports and they're playing with the grass, he's just kind of chilling over there like as a bystander, you know, don't, don't get hurt. And all of a sudden, he's involved in the play and he throws this block. I think block on one by of the DBs. Yes. <laughs> it was like a Sports Center highlight. Not even so, I mean, as much for Le'Veon Bell, like extending that play and still cutting it back and scoring a touchdown, but Michael Vick throwing a block and just a Abusing that poor defender from the Ravens. I, I wish I knew whose name that was. I'm going to see if I could find it before the end of the show because I, I just saw that highlight the other day, and I think I, I may even have it queued up to go on the Vine account or one of these videos on Facebook or whatever. I'm going to put it up there because it's a good chuckle. But, yeah, Josh Scobie, I mean, they had – the only reason they're even going for it on fourth and two, one of those was like from the 30-something. They had Boswell at that point. They're Number one, they wouldn't have been in overtime to begin with if they had – had Chris Boswell at that point but let's just say in theory that somehow they end up in overtime tied game they're in striking distance to at least attempt the field goal and at no point were you thinking well if I attempt the field goal here and miss it I'm just going to give them the ball back at the same point so the same field position so we might as well just go for it and you know what that's one of the things that really bothers me about the Baltimore Ravens winning those games the other one that really bothers me is having Ryan Mallett as a quarterback I think he was there for not even 10 days and they win that game and the Steelers you know are in this playoff contention and the Jets are the Jets are almost a parallel last year too because the Jets are dropping games that they have no business losing and then all of a sudden like or I'm sorry, they they win games they have no business winning, I should say, like beating the Patriots. It was just like, hey, what are we going to do here uh, in order to to get into the playoffs? And it, yeah, let's,
2: Well, let's beat the Patriots, okay? A really <laughs> tough team to beat in overtime on an Eric Decker uh, goal line fade to the right side. And then after that, let's lose to the Buffalo Bills who have a quarterback that's pretty solid, okay? He's pretty solid. Um, but a defense that has been struggling that used to be that once ferocious Bills defense, and they lose. And the Bills, I have to thank them to letting the, play- the Pittsburgh Steelers play in the playoffs against the Cincinnati Bengals, because that, that was awesome.
3: Yeah, I you know what? I have to agree with what you're saying there, too. It's just, <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know what else uh, that— you can say about something like that. I mean, now we'll see what the jets do this year. Uh, they were talking, I was listening. I think it was SiriusXM NFL radio earlier today. And they were talking about the Ryan Fitzpatrick situation. Once again, they said he was one of the better, Jets quarterbacks of recent because they didn't ask him to attempt too many passes. And then uh, it got me thinking because they were talking about all the quarterbacks, I think, that were in the 600 attempt range. And then several of them were guys that were getting just, like, nailed, like getting sacked constantly, like Blake Bortles, who I think led the league in getting sacked, and uh, Matt Ryan as well. And so, like, those type of things just – it just bothers me to hear any – any of this stuff when you know that Ben was the least pressured quarterback last year and you still have to deal with the Steelers losing to a division opponent twice especially one you consider a rival I used to have the figure and I forgot how many games of the last many games but over the last five years most of these games have been decided by three points or less of course both games last year the overtime game was 23-20 that the Ravens won, and then the one in December, the next-to-last game of the regular season, was 20-17. to And that trend does happen to continue if you go back several years. I'm going to try and find, let's see, I'm going to pull up 2014 here. There is one outlier here that really sucked in. Oh, this my was. God, dude. Yes. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. We're going to go to that Thursday night game on September 11th of 2014 where they lose 26-6. to And then, of course, oh, the Steelers come back and blow them out at home with another six-touchdown performance of 43-23. to So the reason I illustrate this is, and then prior to that you had all these ridiculous games, you had... Uh, the clip that we were talking about earlier with Byron Leftwich, oh, where yeah. they wear the bumblebee straight jerseys, uh, was that a 2013, uh, maybe 2012, 2012?
2: Yeah, can I get into this a little bit? I just, sure. uh, I definitely first off want to say that the Ravens know that their games against the Steelers can often define their their season. Okay, it really does. If they win one game out of two. Um, that basically can mean playoffs or no playoffs. And in 2012... Like we talked about with Todd Haley was his first year as offensive coordinator. They went eight and eight. If they won against the Baltimore Ravens both times instead of the one time with Charlie Batch, I think going nine and seven, they would have snuck into the playoffs because they were, I believe in 2012, were one or two games away from making the playoffs. So if they win one, if they win both of those games, they would have got into the playoffs. So one of the games that really bothered me was Byron Lefwich. He was under center as the quarterback, and I believe it was a week 11 game. And he literally in the first quarter goes, it's a 40 yard run to the right side, breaks a tackle. And when he breaks a tackle, gets into the end zone and he's holding his, his like ribs. And I'm, I'm over here and I'm like, what's wrong with you? You know, they play at Mike Tomlin, one of the, the stup- stupidest moves I've it's not a smart move to play a guy that has broken ribs, okay? But um, they play him the rest of the game, and they lose by, I believe, six or seven points. And that play, I really, like I said on the last show, put it up on your social media, because I know that Mike Wallace did good for you. But put that up, (laughs) because Byron Leftwich was not really known for being a run quarterback, but he did really good on that play. But they did lose, and um, I believe on the – 23-20 victory. Uh, a few weeks later, um, with Charlie Batch under center, they won that game, and that was thanks to uh, Heath Miller and that that touchdown at the end, and they won 23-20. Um, but it's just it's crazy how one game can define the season. Because in 2012, you may remember that the Ravens won the Super Bowl. So that one game that they won against the Steelers with Byron Leftwich, maybe if they lose that game. They're not Super Bowl champions, and we might be looking at a 49ers team that might be tied with the Pittsburgh Steelers with six. You know,
3: that Super Bowl, I asked myself, could both teams lose? And then the power goes out, I nearly got my wish. (laughs) I mean that was great, but yeah, the Byron Leftwich game specifically, there was a player that got downfield. I can't remember. I can't remember if it was like A. B. or Mike Wallace, but they were incredibly wide open, and Leftwich hurls a pass toward them that was like ten yards short of making the mark. And then you hear about the rib injury or whatnot a day later. I mean, it was just that was devastating. Jacoby Jones. Was the difference maker in that game returning a punt, which if you remember a year later on Thanksgiving (laughs) was the infamous Mike Tomlin stepping on the field, Jacoby Jones incident. That happened, uh, where he received the. He didn't know. Fund. He didn't know
2: where he was on the field. I, def-
3: <laughs> I believe him. I believe him to this day. I don't know. I don't care.
2: That's 2013. <laughs> Let's bring on 2016. Win a Super Bowl and then we can talk.
3: Yeah, but <laughs> but I did want to mention that game that was on Thanksgiving. Of course, there was a, a last ditch effort for a two point conversion. A lot of drama in the last, in the final minutes. I, I had the video up of Le'Veon Bell getting his bell rung and his helmet removed in that very game. The Steelers. Finally, after Heath Miller, and maybe it was a challenge or a review on a touchdown, his knee was down early. Bell tries to run it in, maybe on the next play or two, gets his helmet removed. Doesn't make it into the end zone. By rules, his helmet comes off before the ball crosses the plane. So there the Steelers have to burn a few more plays and some more time. And then they finally do get in the end zone, try for a two-point conversion that Manny Sanders drops. You have a two-point game there, so even with those outliers of what you had in 2014 when the Ravens were still competitive as a team as opposed to last year they did have a lot of injuries I thought they weren't going to be very strong anyways just based on the veteran leadership and the depth issues that that team had but when you have one team kind of beat one team badly come back and beat them just as bad and then you have these games that are going uh, being decided by like three points or whatever you have the teams the next year one game the one team doesn't have their neither game the team has their starting quarterback in and To me, that's still a rivalry. That still uh, holds a lot of water there. I could tell you firsthand that Terrell Suggs, in the sight of seeing Terrell Suggs, he turns around and jaws with the fans constantly in Pittsburgh when he's on the bench there and their offense is on the field. This thing still has some fire, but we're going to move on to the last team in the AFC North. And the question is, are the Cincinnati Bengals, are, are they a rival or is this, is this even something that should be considered a rivalry? Okay. Well, first off, this is not
2: Pittsburgh's top rival. And I want people to beat that in their head until the Baltimore Ravens um, are non-existent anymore because the um Baltimore Ravens will always be in my opinion the Pittsburgh's main rival, okay. Now the Cincinnati Bengals their overall series record against the Pittsburgh Steelers is just hor- horrific. It's hirotious. It's just horrendous. That's the word I'm looking for. It's horrendous, okay. 58 and 35 the Pittsburgh Steelers lead the series. So that is 35 and 58 in the Bengals favor. That's not good at all, okay. In the last 10 years the Cincinnati Bengals have a record against the Pittsburgh Steelers of six and twenty-two. Once again, that is from two thousand and six. Six and twenty-two. Okay, that, that that that's not a rival. Okay, the reason people think it's a rival is because Vontez Burfict injur, injures Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, and Ben Roethlisberger in the same exact scene, season. Okay, that's not a rival. Okay, that's a player that is dirty, in my opinion. Oh, he's playing hard or whatever. You literally took out Le'Veon Bell's knee, and then you're, you're standing around him, and you're laughing, you're excited about this? Okay, cool, cool, dude. No, not cool, okay? Because, you know, if somebody gets injured, you're a player, you're supposed to kneel. You're supposed to kneel. This is what happens in high school football and sometimes college and in the professionals, but mainly I've seen it with high school football. When a player goes down, you kneel. If you're on the other team, you do the same thing. And Vontez ne no, doesn't do that. He thinks that oh, let me hurt all the Steelers star players, and we can win a playoff game. Well, let me tell you something. You talk to your friend Jeremy Hill, your running back, and you tell him that you lost the playoff game because of him. You're up, um, what was it? They the final score was six or the final score was 18-16 Pittsburgh. So they they were up uh, by two at the time and uh jeremy hill or yeah was it jeremy hill yeah jeremy yes. hill he um fumbled the ball with a, about a minute left ben roethlisberg comes on the field and takes him down and gets in chris boswell's way and of course fontes perfect comes in and before that play uh happened he hits antonio brown he goes down he is concussed now And he's out for the divisional game. And I'll tell you one thing. If he was there in the divisional game, they would have won that game. They would have went to the AFC Championship. And maybe, just maybe, they would have went to the Super Bowl and beat the Carolina Panthers.
3: Oh, just based on what A.B. did in the first game against Denver. I mean, Chris Harris looked like he was... Chris Harris didn't even look like he could uh, beat Antoine Blake for a starting spot as a corner the way A.B. abused him. But the one thing that you forgot was... AB was faking that the whole time. Don't you remember? Oh, you know what? Was it
2: <laughs> Pac Man Jones that yes. said, Oh,
3: I have to have proof.
2: I have to have proof. Yeah, you just lost another playoff game. Add it to your 25 years straight. Yeah. No, I just, I don't understand this organization. Um, They have dirty fans, too. You want to talk about that? Ben Roethlisberger being carted off with a separated shoulder, and I believe that that, him coming back in the fourth quarter, down by uh, two points, needing a field goal, and taking him down with, a like, literally a separated shoulder, and then going in the divisional game and throwing a deep ball to, I believe it was uh, Marcus Whedon on the left side to start the game off, said, hey, I got an arm, you know? Um, But... You know, it's just, it really bothers me that uh, Pac Man Jones has to say something. And it it just really bothers me that everybody thinks that this organization is a rival. And the the dirty players and the dirty fans, I can say, because they were throwing bottles and uh, everything at Ben Roethlisberger when he was being carted off, is just unbelievable it's disrespectful and i've never and hopefully never will ever see another fan base disrespect a quarterback even if it's a rival rivalry uh divisional game uh, or a wild card game or any game they should not disrespect the quarterback like that or any player and the fans really they really blew it
3: (laughs) oh i've got i've got a load of things to reply back to everything you just said i just wanted to get that out (laughs) (laughs) tell me how you really feel so adam pacman jones when they did this nfl top 100 deal and they bring antonio brown on as number four on the list it's like the first guy they show that they were wiring him up and he's like in that room like why are you showing of all people Adam Pac-Man Jones, and it's like he's trying to save face talking about how good Antonio Brown is. And you could tell it's so forced and scripted. It's like, why did you even put this guy on TV? That's that's one of the ones right out the gate. The other one of the other things, I shared that video of Ryan Shazier making that hit on Geo Bernard, one of the fumbles from one of their backs. Butterfingers number one, you may as well call him. And, and you will not believe, still, the Bengals fans who are crying about that being a dirty hit. To them, I show Exhibit B, the Le'Veon Bell Thanksgiving Night Ravens game where he got not hit by one helmet hit, but two, The the play I was just talking about moments ago. Now of course that rule is changing this season for 2016 but prior to this these guys still couldn't get through their thick skull. And in fact, in fact Nate, I think I got kicked out of a Facebook group and it wasn't even it wasn't even me. I had somebody call me a dumbass. And I go and I paste a link right there for him to see that says here is the head of NFL officials or one of these guys like pro football talk or something like that. And they analyzed the play and said, this is why it's legal. So, you know what? You guys want to cry about it. You know, the famous uh, the famous image of that blondie that's sitting there in the fans. She's going boo-hoo and her cheeks are all red because it's like cold and raining that entire, well, most of that game. Yeah. The Steelers have won four of the last five games against the Cincinnati Bengals. And you look at the games that they have won. You look at how the Bengals imploded. They're at home. They have somebody that they think is a rival. You have their radio stations down there running rape jokes about Ben Roethlisberger. And don't get me started on that again. I did an entire show about that because there were people still running their mouth about that oh, type of stuff. I didn't stuff. know, about that. I oh, didn't know yeah. about that. Oh, yeah. I know about that. Oh, yeah. They're still Add calling to the them. list. Of why
2: I hate the Cincinnati Bengals and their fans.
3: Well, and then you have Vince Williams, of course, who, uh, Rambe, or whatever the name of the gorilla that was shot in the Cincinnati Zoo. Uh, yes. <laughs> he said He's, he was. So yeah. he has to make the comment saying he put out of the misery. You got these Bengals players showing up for a soccer game. Now, this is cute because Cincinnati has a soccer team. They're actually outdrawing <laughs> most sports, they're, almost, they're probably outdrawing the Reds at this point. And they're getting like 30-some thousand people there for certain games. And they said, oh, it's going to be the first time they play the Pittsburgh equivalent. Now, this is like, this isn't Major League Soccer. This is like two levels down for Major League Soccer. This would be like third division. This is like watching Division III, uh, college football where you're dealing with a team like Mount Union or... Uh, geez, oh, man, like something like Geneva College or somebody like that. Uh, this is like the equivalent of this with semi-pro soccer, and these guys create a Cincinnati versus Pittsburgh night and are going to have Bengals players as their captains or their honorary captains. And it's hilarious because the four people that were advertised, one of them being perfect, didn't show and was replaced. And then you got that... Uh, Domita Peko or whatever, however you say his name, Domica Peko I believe. And, you know, now, talk about what he said recently. You know yes. what he said? I go ahead repeat. Well, repeated family friendly for the show. <laughs> No, how about you go ahead? You go ahead because uh, I can't
2: exactly remember it. It was something
3: but... about like they're pieces of bleep or something. Oh yeah, yeah, that's along that, the lines yeah. I of that. That.
2: I I knew that he said something, but I didn't know exactly what he said. But he said the Steelers are pieces of bleep, and I it was like nice.
3: Very and I, nice. And I had a statistic, and it was given to me. I have to give credit to Ben Anderson, who I wanted to have on with us tonight as sort of almost a roundtable for this, but he was unable to join us. Uh, he's over from, the, uh, from Steel City Blitz or SC Blitz. Uh, I'm trying to remember the exact name of their site, and of course, Steel Dad's part of that as well. And Ben said that if he was Domita, he would be just as upset because I guess uh, the statistic he had was is that Domita's only won two games against the Pittsburgh Steelers as a member of the Cincinnati Bengals, and <laughs> and that's and I think that's where the ire in the in the rivalry part comes in. But guess what, Bengals, you haven't won the play, you haven't won a playoff game since 1991. You've lost four of your last five against the Steelers. I'm going to even say that you got lucky in Heinz Field because you had us in shock and hurt Le'Veon Bell. I was yep. there. Vontez Burfecht does a little dance afterwards, uh, and all the players saw that and left a very, like you said, sit down. That's every sport, man. That's not even just football. Somebody, oh, gets, really? somebody okay. gets hurt and they're, playing, they're eight-year-olds playing soccer. They all take a knee. I good. mean, that's just they that's learned just that fact. young. They, they're they not even they're like kindergartners and they know better than Vontez Perfect. He's always been a head case and a problem. It's good that he's it's good. He's suspended for three games to start this season. But I wish I wish they did it intentionally. We all know that they're not going to say that the NFL is not going to say that Roger Goodell's not going to say it, but they did not want Vontez Perfect in our house because you know what karma is going to come back and get this guy sooner or later it really is he is known he had a dirty hit and i'm going to even say this the baltimore ravens oh
2: i saw this head. Do,
3: oh, a, do a google search i know if you're just an nfl fan go look beyond the Steelers here and just do a google search do like ravens and perfect and watch all the different bloggers and writers for the baltimore ravens who also hate Vontez perfect because he has had dirty hits against them including one against max williams where the play it wasn't even been, it was on the complete opposite side of the field. Max the Williams just kind of standing there. Well, the referees aren't looking there. You have yeah. 22 guys on the field that you're trying to keep track of, and all these things are happening where now you need instant replay. The players are so fast and athletic, they're like – the, the $6 million man, it can make him faster and stronger now. And these guys, it blink of an eye and you can miss something. So I, I can't fault the referees for missing that. But players shouldn't be doing that type of garbage to begin with. Throwing garbage on Ben Roethlisberger, that's a whole other thing. Going on your radio shows and, and your uh, – regular radio, whatever, W or K, whatever that they have there. It's probably K Northern Kentucky. That's what I call Cincinnati. I call it Northern Kentucky. And you know what? And That's just a joke and you're laughing, but you know what? I don't want to offend the great people of the is it a commonwealth of Kentucky or the great state of Kentucky? Because that's even low for saying that. We don't want them in Ohio, and Kentucky probably doesn't want them either. Maybe even that little lip there that's across from the Ohio River where they may support the Bengals fans, that's even Steelers country. You know what I say The Cincinnati Bengals fans? This isn't a rivalry. This isn't even the top NFL rivalry. This is a manufactured just, just – Hype type thing to get some TV ratings just based off of what you said. The only thing that the Cincinnati Bengals have over the Steelers is that they can injure our players. That is yeah. it. They injure Ben. They injure AB. They injure Le'Veon Bell. And two they years can't the even row. win. And they still, you <laughs> can't even beat our third string running backs. We Landry Jones comes in. The guy Rick. has been sitting there probably catching the flu on the sideline and he gifts you a pass. Who else?
2: Vontez Perfect runs in the locker room. That's another thing I didn't like. But... I don't know. I don't know if we have time for that. You
3: but. had to bring that up, and and there's no flags. I, I You know what? I had an entire article that will open old wounds. If you guys yeah. want to check it out, you listeners, I said it was something about – I had two reaction pieces to that game, and one was just the standard good, bad, and ugly, of which I think it was only ugly, and then I had maybe a whole other article that was just – analyzing the ugliest football game that I had ever seen or witnessed in my entire life and that's particularly what it was that's what a lot of people still have in their memory from this when they this game is played in week two that's still they're going to be shown the highlights and stuff from that it'll be interesting to see what happens but I'll tell you what I don't necessarily respect that Andy Dalton is like number 30 or whatever in the top 100 list. He had a little bit better of a year, but you know what? This team injured
2: yeah. on a Stefan on interception, try <laughs> to make a tackle and broke his thumb. Are you kidding me?
3: That's it, you, you can't make this stuff up. And, and of course the Bengals fans are still, Crying about that the same way they were crying about Kimo von Olhoffen and destroying their chances by hurting Carson Palmer back in 2005. They still have the chip on their shoulder, and they're just never ever. Kitna. Kitna was the go.
2: quarterback. Oh, man. was it Kitna? It, no, no, no. It was Kitna Carson Palmer. In. But Kitna <laughs> came in for Carson Palmer after he tore his ACL. It was a devastating hit to him. But uh, yeah, he tore his ACL right after he threw like a. A long bomb strike down the right side, and it, it was a it was a catch, and they were in the red zone, and kitten had to come in, and it was just they they led that game. It was like that Browns two thousand two game; they led for until like the fourth quarter, and then Pittsburgh won. But
3: and yeah, it was just glorious Bengals fashion, kaboom! Nathaniel, it's always good having you here on the show. Nathaniel Bodner from steelcityreport.com dot com. Any closing words? I want to say Baltimore Ravens, if you're going to put one of these three teams as the rival, because you know what? We don't play the Cowboys or the Raiders enough, but those were the old-school rivals. Modern era, probably still the Baltimore Ravens. We'll see how that turns out this year, see if Baltimore – I don't want them to turn the ship around. I'd rather see them – unlike we have some sympathy for the Browns. We wanted to see the Browns be awful. We we were just gloating in it, and now it's, it's no longer cute or fun. But I would have a lot of fun to see the Ravens maybe go on a 10-year skid right into the dumpster. What do you think?
2: I believe that the Baltimore Ravens are Pittsburgh's main rival and will always be the rival, as long as they're an organization in the NFL. You know, remember the Baltimore Browns and all that. But um, I think that we have to watch out for the Cleveland Browns. And the only reason I say that is because I think RG3 is going to have a good year and I also believe that the Cincinnati Bengals are still once again going to lose. And Vonte's Perfect, bold prediction, might not be on the team next year. So I don't know. We just have to watch and wait and find out. But I know for a fact that the Baltimore Ravens, it literally defines their season if they win one or two games against the Pittsburgh Steelers. We've seen that in 2012. So I believe the Baltimore Ravens will always be Pittsburgh's rival.
3: There you have it. And, folks, if you have any difference of opinion please do leave some feedback for me and Nathaniel over on, well, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. We're just about everywhere. We're always retweeting and mentioning each other as well. And also something new for you fans out there. If you would like the Steel City Underground, we have opened a new hotline. If you have any questions for myself or any of the guests like (laughs) Nate that come on the show, feel free to leave us a message over at 203-900-4SCU. For those of you who need the numbers, that's 203-900-4728. Just leave a message. Let us know who you are, where you're calling from, and what type of question you have. And hopefully we get enough of these type of mailbag type or inbox or voicemail questions on the hotline. We'll play the best ones and answer them. And give you guys all the credit for asking the questions right on the air. We will play them for you. So, 203-900-4SCU. Nate, don't troll me and make a phone call and ask about the top rivals. <laughs> we're 2-0 we're and o on the Ravens, buddy. So All right. There we go. That's the way I look at it. And, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the Steel City Underground Podcast. Until next time, be safe, be good, and I will catch you later. We would like to thank you for listening and remind our listeners to follow us on social media and our website, www.steelcityunderground.com.
0: Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time.